Welcome to episode 556 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 556 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oggs. How you going, mate? I'm very good, Bevan. And yourself? I'm feeling on top of the world, John. That's great. Do you know why? It's been a big weekend for triathlon in New Zealand. But oh. yeah, Bevan, why are you on top of the world? Well, because it's been a big weekend for triathlon in New Zealand. <laughs> That's yes. why. Because all other sport, other than the Warriors, go the mighty, what is it, the mighty vote from Warriors? We're on our, our main news channel. We've got two main channels over here. So on Sunday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, Saturday night. Uh, lead story was Iron Man New Zealand. Yep. Second story was Andrea Hewitt. Yep. And then I think the, th- the last story was the Motor Tapper, which is a um, endurance race. Is endurance race. Who won that? Who won that? Um, same guy. Um, Dougal Allen won the won the triathlon. I don't know. Oh, the triathlon. Stuff. Okay. Mm. So there you go. Bevan, why are you on top of the world? Sorry. Well, no, because triathlon is so strong. Isn't it? Great. Yeah, that, that was the only reason. Because I love triathlon, John. Excellent. Passionate. Passionate. <laughs> okay, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by. Athlinks.com. It's, it's social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme It's your lactic buffer. And our patrons. It's the cool people. Bit like Ben, the Inflictor Cobra. And I've got Overload Matthew Crehan. Phil, the big brown white head. <laughs> <laughs> Remember he, he had the typo in his... Uh, That's he, right. And we thought he worked at the poo station. <laughs> and he didn't. That's right. It was cold. He was a sight... Where did he work? And I think he was a site manager and it came out as a shit manager or something (laughs) like that. I own a My Good Old Roommate. I am a McKenzie. I own a McKenzie Snow Trooper. And Jonathan the Ringer Pike. Good times. Okay, just we've got got, uh, news. We've got a new segment in news, John. We have What the Hell? I, I thought we should go on WTF, but we're off what the hell. Um, we've got Hot Topic. We've got two interviews, John. Tell, tell me about it. We've got a winner from Ironman New Zealand, Jocelyn McCauley, uh, who was down in uh, Queenstown, which is in the south part of New Zealand, uh, about to go on a boat trip. And there are a few background noises. Yep, and then we've got uh, Kim Morrison, who is an up-and-coming 70.3 athlete. Who's gone from age group to pro, so it's kind and of I good story I think you were there. throwing in an, uh, maybe an age group of the week, or should we do that? Yeah, no, week? I am going to check that in because it's pretty phenomenal. Um, and then that's going to be the show. So pretty much, let's get into it, guys. Big weekend, for, as John was saying, for a triathlon in New Zealand, and let's start with Ironman New Zealand. First of all, Sounds like a pretty tough day at the office. It did. So as I said, it was uh, the lead story on on our One Network News. And when it first came out, Do you up, watch one or three? I, I watch one. But they but do I, Super Saturday, don't they? On no, three? Sunday. Super oh, Sunday. Super Sunday. So if I can remember to tape three, I, I watch Super Sunday. That's pretty good. Because they're a big sporting section, yeah, eh? Yeah. yeah, it's good. So, uh, yeah. And the first thing that came up was obviously showing the swim. And it looked pretty choppy. I mean, it's not like big waves choppy. It's a lake swim. But it looked pretty choppy. Really? But was not to the point where they would have thought about pulling it off? I don't think so. I think, but it sounded like a lot of people got pulled pulled out. Oh, really? So, well, look at your numbers here. So John's pulled up numbers. 1,270 athletes entered the full. Only 1,007 finished. So that's a pretty big high number of DNFs. Well, that's that's entries. So you've got a lot of okay, did not did, starts okay. in there as well. But I know that people were getting pulled out of the swim. It's usually a very straightforward swim. Yeah, beautiful swim. Water temperature's okay. Clear. And nice and calm <laughs> normally. So uh, tricky swim conditions, very windy on the bike, and uh, and obviously probably pretty windy on the run as well. Some 
awesome racing and very uh, dominating performances. So I think you last week, Bevan, asked me the question, could Braden Curry won it? And I said, well, he's kind of got the potential. I wouldn't be surprised if he won it, but I kind of thought that given he'd done coast to coast, if he hadn't done that, I would have said, yep, he's definite, definite strong chance for the win. But oh, how he proved me wrong. And, and he kind of blew up in the coast to coast too, didn't he? So, you know, like it was, he didn't race the coast. I, I'm, this is secondhand information, but I remember someone telling me that he'd said he didn't race the coast that smart. Mm. And pff, turned that around, didn't he? Look at those he results. Does. That's a complete performance, isn't it? So he swam 48-11, and that sort of has him coming out with the, the main guys, you know, Terenzo Bazzoni, Marco Albert and stuff. So that's a really strong swim. Yep. He then rode 4.39, so he certainly wasn't first off the bike, but he was only a couple of minutes down on Terenzo off the bike and then put on a good, solid... 248 to finish in 82058, which up until a couple of years ago would have been pretty close to the course record. It's up 818 there. now, isn't it? No, it's, it's, it's Brownie went really fast last year. Oh, did he? Um, so last year was amazing conditions. This year was was tough conditions. So Braden Curry took it out. Cameron Brown got drilled in the swim, uh, 53 minutes. So he's five. Well, the swim cost him really, down. didn't it? Yeah, five yeah. minutes down. Rode 443, which on the day is steady. Strong, steady ride, but not uh, not at the same level that he's sometimes at on the bike. But holy crap, man! Two forty two at the age of is he forty four? On that 45, course, that is a sensational run. Yeah, uh, for an eight twenty four. So he got pretty. He got. I wouldn't say he got close, but he was never looking for the win. But no, three yeah, he was always chasing. Yeah, traditionally, if Braden wasn't there. That's how Cam runs the race, really. But isn't mm. it? Comes behind and does this phenomenal run. So great. Uh, Great run, but then you've got to give credit to Cyril Vanot as well. He was leading off the bike last year and then cramped and detonated on the run. Uh, this year, he was only just over a minute behind Brownies. He ran a 2.43, again on that course. Fantastic performance. So those guys just got annihilated in the swim, and uh, and that's what cost them the race. But let's talk about the race, because the race was, wasn't really that way. So basically, no. the fast guys got on, and Torenzo took off. Torenzo drilled the bike. Yeah. Uh, the first half of the bike, he was, I think at one stage, because so I'd been minutes, out training, it? and I think I finished training, and I thought, sort of looked at maybe 8.30, 9 o'clock or something. He was like 10 minutes in front of Brownie or something yeah. like that. And uh, he just drilled the first lap of the bike, faded on um, faded on the second lap of the bike, and then, uh, look, a 3.03 isn't a complete explosion, but it's not a... He was there to win it, but wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was trying to win the thing. So, that he, you know, he's going to be disappointed with that. I was gutted. You know, I'm glad Braden took it because I wanted a Kiwi to win it, being, being a Kiwi. Um, but I was really hoping this was Torenzo's day. You know, I, I really, you know, I, I want to back the guy. Um, it was a bummer. And it was pretty obvious as I was getting to the end of the bike, Braden's a pretty good runner. And there was a couple, only a couple of minutes, and I thought, mm, I don't think he's going to do it. You yeah. Know, so. And um, this is a dare I say, a sort of a classic Terenzo performance. We've seen him do this very, very often, either a strong bike or just steady across all three, but not a real race-winning performance. Sure, he's up against Cam Brown, who's awesome, but it's this is what we've seen from Terenzo in the past. Awesome at 70.3. Average at Ironman. I mean, still good, but nowhere near at the same level. But then he did Western Australia, which was phenomenal. Park, yeah. awesome. And we were just hoping, from a Kiwi perspective, that... He's going to be able to carry that on. So we've just got to wait and see, um, you know, because he's our hope for Kona. If we want to have a Kiwi getting in the top five in Kona, um, I wouldn't say Braden Curry's um, completely out of it because he. the thing is Braden Curry can swim and if he can come out with the, the group and the, the swim over there, 
he, he might have a chance. He's a good, good all-round athlete. But um, Terenzo's got that little bit of X factor as well. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Well, Terenzo is of a class who should be in the top five in Kona. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that, that Western Australia performance shows that he has got it. Yeah. We just haven't seen it a lot in Ironman. And, and after Western Australia, we're hopeful he could put it off here. But he didn't. So they got off the bike. And Marco Albert was in a pretty good position as well, wasn't he? He was. He was looking pretty good. Um, but then he, he faded a bit. No, again, two fifty six, not a woeful run. But, so, did you um, think Braden had it pretty much? Uh, yeah, once they once they settled into the run, I did. I mean, the, the coverage was pretty ordinary. Well, they apparently had lots of technical problems. That's the same excuse every year. Here all we these, go. All these races. All well, I'm hearing you is just, excuses. You look at the car, the Wanaka coverage. Just Wanaka's a significantly smaller race, and uh, you were commentating. You were getting the same feed as what yeah. everybody else gets. Yeah, it's great. And it's just. It's not that hard. I mean, you can, they always said, oh, it's too hard. It's, we've got this problem, that problem. It's like, it's rubbish. It's not that hard. You've got the timing mats out there. Put a few spotters out there. And not just for the pro race, but the age group, the track is just shit. I'm sick of it. Come on, John. I'm sick of it. Get it out. Anyway, so really cool group guys race. Great for Braden Curry. And uh, we'll, we'll see where this sort of takes him. You know, it's his first... Iron Distance, really stellar performance. He's done Challenge Wanaka. Uh, he has won Wanaka. Didn't he win no, Wanaka? No, he won the half down there. Oh, was it the half? So, yeah, good on him. And good on Cam Brown. Bloody sticking with it. And bloody, there's an, still an awesome performance. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for Braden Curry. I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy it's a Kiwi. Mm. I have to admit, I was unsure. I wasn't sure if he could actually put it off, but good on him. He absolutely smacked it. Yeah. And it's a good triathlete performance, isn't it? Yep. Sub 50. You know, sub 40, 440 on that on that bike course and then a sub 250 on that run. Mm. That's a complete performance. So also, any other names worth mentioning on the men's side of things? Well, we had a few DNFs. So we had Marino um, was the main So what happened guy. there? He, I, I read a, uh, either a Facebook post or something that he did and he, he sort of said, you know, he was fully prepped for this race. He yep. was ready to rumble. And he just had stomach issues on the bike and no power and happening. just... So I think he invested heavily to do it. You know, when the European athletes come out here and spend a lot of money to get here, you know, got to train through the winter really hard. Yeah, um, yeah I think he'll be he'll be pretty frustrated. Got Daniel Pula, who's you see his result? Yeah, very impressive. Uh, so I was going to do the age group later, but if you want to crack into them now, Daniel Clues oh, was first first age group at 8.54. Tenth uh, fastest time of the day. I'd love to wonder what the course record is for age groupers up in Taupo. I wouldn't think it would be much quicker than that. Yeah, so if anybody decent. knows the course record, so given the conditions were that tough, uh, you know, so if it's last year, give me a second here. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, you, you maybe tell us who was the first. Uh, tell us Daniel's splits. Okay, so we did a 54 swim. A uh, 458 bike and then a 255 run. So again, a pretty complete performance for an age grouper. Sub 50 swims pretty strong. Oh no, sorry, 55 swims okay, 54 swims okay, but sub five on that course is pretty good. And then a sub three or 255 is really decent. So all overall 854.10. Very fast on that course. Yeah. Torsten, I'm, I'm on Torsten's side. I want to find I'm in New Zealand. The times from uh, from last year. Rhodesy had a tough day. 9:45. He said, I think it was his last race, he said I wasn't going to pull out because I had to, had to do the hard yards. So that's kind of cool. Anything else, any luck there, John? Here we go. So, yep, 20, 2016, Cam Brown went 
857. Oh, okay. And Meredith Kessler went 856 okay. last year. That was record setting conditions, not just for the pros, but for the age groupers. Um, so that's how much faster they went last year. Other years, you know, the year before, he went 822, 817, 815, uh, 831, 821. So it's usually around that sort of 820 mark. Um, Bevan Doherty broke the record, went 815 in 2013. So that's on the, the and guys. And came to 807 last year. Mm. Wow. Mm. So the, the the women's race, I'm very impressed with uh, our women's women, Jocelyn McCauley, who you hear from later in the show, for a dominating race. Well, the thing about Jocelyn is she's one of those people who she, we had her on a show two years ago, three years ago, mm. um, as an age grouper, when she won Kona mm-hmm. as an age grouper, so she's pretty high level. And we often see those people come into the pro ranks and they can win an Ironman. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, I think she's won Morocco. So yeah. they can come along, they can win a race, and but often with a pretty weak field. Mm. To turn up to this race, with we were talking about a, a blimmin' strong female field, mm. and to race the race she raced. Very impressive. It's kind of, she is of a pedigree really, isn't she? Mm. So 59 minutes swim, 5.05 on the bike, 2.59 on the 259. run. 2.59. For a 9.09. Which on the face of it, you go 909, not that fast. But for Ironman New Zealand, that's a very respectable well, time. What did Kessler do last year? Well, she went 8.56. But, you know, you look at um, Cameron Brown's time, 8.07. This year the winner was 8.20. Yep. Last year, 8.06. She's only 10 minutes behind that. You look at Meredith. 9.06? 8.56. 8.56, You look at Meredith's other results there, 9.05, 9.08, 9.17. So she's of Meredith's level. Yeah. yeah. And Meredith is. An axe. An axe. I mean, she doesn't race awesome in Kona but everywhere else she's setting course records and just dominating why doesn't she race well in Kona well it's kind of it's hot and doesn't happen yeah so great 259 on that course I'm very impressed with that 909 so she crushed it 921 was second Laura Sedell swam 59 rode the same time 505 and then ran 312 Meredith Kessler faded I mean it wasn't her greatest race she ended up 927 Annabelle Luxford who I was picking as a little bit of a dark horse she was uh, leading early on with um, Meredith Kessler they uh, looks like they sort of came off the bike together as well only ran a 332 she's a great runner and, um, and should be able to run you know, close to three hours, so hasn't quite got it there yet. And then Emma Billum was in fifth place, who also doubled up from Wanaka. Wanaka. And what happened to Yvonne? Yvonne finished the bike, and she came off the bike with Laura and Jocelyn McCauley, or in you know, same same time roughly. Uh, and then Dave Dwan sent me a picture of her in the tent afterwards. So Just either Mojo wasn't there. She, you know, she did Wanaka a couple of weeks ago, so completely understandable. Um, mm. But I'm sure she could have muscled out something, but geez, it's a pretty tough. Yeah, it's <laughs> easy to judge on the one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm very impressed with that performance. Oh, come on. Who's calling you, mate? Oh, two, two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll turn my Skype off so that won't happen again. Uh, first age grouper, Emily Lachlan from Australia. Six overall, time wise. Very nice. 95639. Yeah. So, Got that sub 10 out. Love your work. Yeah, look. Yeah, very impressed with the, that women's race. That is a quality field. And for Jocelyn McCauley to step up, you know. It was a real pity that the tracking was average because we had a great race. Yes, I mean, I was watching the live updates and they, it was okay just. But again, if I compare it to Wanaka, where you could go in there and very easy for age groupers and pros to get the splits when they go over those timing yep. mats. 
pretty straightforward. You can figure it out yourself. You don't necessarily need oh, that. And Monica had that amazing app. I mean, yeah. And the guys, people in Christchurch were saying they were watching me racing Tyrone and, and they were just watching us going over the time mats and they could they felt like they were actually yeah. watching the race. It's like, it's really not that hard and it can't be that expensive. So come on, pull your socks up. They do a great job at Ironman New Zealand. It's a really good race. Oh, yeah. But... Um, just yeah, one area doing socks up. Because there's lots of interest in the race and we want to be able to back it up. And it should be a lead from the top you know they should just come up with an app i'm sure you could just roll it out at all your bloody races you'd think so you just you? tweak it based off where your timing mats are so one of the big stories that's been going around new zealand and you may have even seen it on the internet yourself is the story of suzanne stokes and she actually finished ironman with two seconds to go before the cutoff now because she got so much assistance does she still get a medal well this this was uh, i had this sent through to me and they said what's your sort of take on this it's an amazing story so she is bending over like an 80 year old man yeah and they obviously figured out she's not going to make the cut off so literally people are pulling her to the finish line yeah and it, it, it doesn't matter it's so cool and it's what the sport is about and the fact that people pulled her through i'm i'm like give this woman a medal but i also understand it's outside assistance yeah so i'm, I'm not just saying it doesn't bother me in the slightest no because um, it's in the spirit of the sport but, you know, if you look at, say, events like Comrades, boom, when that gun goes, the gate closes and it doesn't matter if you're five metres away, you're not crossing the finish line. Same same deal. You've run the whole distance, but you haven't made the cutoff. So I, I get it when people say, well, it's outside assistance. You know, what would it, you know... How, well, if and I was, what if, if, what if was, someone is a minute behind? Down, if I was running down the chute with you and did like a, an Alistair Brownlee and you, you knew that... Pod was bloody 200 metres behind me and you pushed me down the finishing chute and I won and that person got second. Yes, I know it's a bit different, but yeah. it's just playing devil's you're still, advocate. You're still angry at Pod, aren't you? <laughs> no, I beat him in that one. He beat me in the other one. Uh, but then he, he, he's 2-1. He, he, he <laughs> yeah, beat me twice. He's got you on air, thanks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one of the only. So that, that doesn't bother me. I understand how it bothers other people and if it was in a more competitive environment. Yeah, I think at this moment in the race, I don't know if it's a habit we want to get into. No. You know, if you're going 10 minutes up the road to grab those people and pull them up the road, I'm not so sure about that. Mm. But it was pretty special when it captured the nation. Like everyone in New Zealand outside of triathlon world knew about the story and it's pretty special. So it's something we do want to promote because it opens up that kind of possibility for others. But yeah, it's a funny one. It's a funny one that you're willing to let go. The um, the other thing that happened at this race that we've talked about, they had, they had the very late edition of the 70.3 race. Oh, yes, and 135 people. Yeah, so not many. And if any. No, not many. <laughs> and I, I asked the grinder. She was up there doing it, grinding Did the grinder do it? Grind, she ground out the age group victory. Whoop, whoop. Grinder. I, I think I saw her at the pool this morning. I think she may have been having a, having a spa having or some recovery stuff. Yep, because uh, you don't stay away from ice. Yeah, so I think she, she won her age group. Ian Wood won his age group. Uh, Dave Dawn David won, won his age Did he win his age group, did he? Uh, I saw he took a roll down slot. He got a roll down slot, yeah. So anyway, how have many slots did they have? Don't know. Don't know. 135. I think your odds are reasonably good. <laughs> no, if you've got 135 people, they would have had at least one slot per age group. Yeah. So I'm picking there'd be at least 30 odd, maybe yep. 50. That's reasonable that, that, odds. Those are good odds. Anyway, uh, the grinder said that it, it seemed to work okay. She said the only thing that was a problem was the, the start was delayed by 25 minutes because they were plucking people out of the swim. Oh. So that was a bit of a challenge. And But she said the rest of it, you know, it was, it was all right. Yeah. Mm. Well, long term, I see it being a big part of the day. Mm. You know, you look at Wanaka. My gr- Their half yeah. is massive. Yeah. 
I just think if you've got more than a thousand people on the start line, you don't really need it. And I think if you can't make money off a, uh, you know, thousand I think this is the future of the sport. But I think I, I agree. You, you're in the future. We're going to see every race is going to have a half mm-hmm. because you can maximise. You know, they always think about how they can grow their audience. Mm-hmm. Well, this is one way of doing it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, anything else about New Zealand? No. Well done to everybody that finished. Sound like a tough day at the office. Yeah, but that's what you want. It's sometimes just bugger the times. Just get just out there and grind, grind it, it out. Grind it with the grinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds a bit wrong. <laughs> um, there we go. So your I mean, you said, your dick's holding up really well out there in the rain. It is doing pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, mm. my dick. I'm pretty happy with how I painted my dick. Mm. The spray gun, John. So we bought a spray gun to paint the dick because I told us last week. I know, but. It actually, because it puts so much on, we thought, well, geez, we're going to go through so much paint. But we only do one coat. Right. So we actually saved paint. Yeah. Yeah, because we bought two four-liter tins. Yeah. We only used maybe 4.3 liters. You can come down and do my dick. You can uh, come play with my dick by the uh, pool. Okay. <laughs> Get your dick a bit wet. <laughs> okay. Uh, ITU update, John. Pretty exciting weekend of racing. If you haven't watched the coverage yet, and... Right, I hold haven't. On, hold on. Oh, wait a second. He's pulling phone. out the phone. Yeah. I'm going to give myself five minutes to talk about this. So if you, if you, because the cool thing with the, the Why live five coverage, because if someone no, doesn't know the result, or they probably know the result or they don't want to know how the race So unfolds, we're not going to talk about the result yet. Well, I'm going to give myself five minutes to talk about how the, how the race went. And do you know what you did? Pull the port from the bottom. Uh, do this. And then yeah. You know, timer. Timer. That one yeah. is it. See, I've just taught you something there, didn't yeah, I? Great. Yeah. So I'm going to give myself five minutes. Five minutes. Of ITU Take you five minutes to do your five minutes. I'm gonna struggle to keep this to five minutes. So if you don't want to know how the race unfolded, fast it, the reason five is minutes. go watch the females finish because the females finish was pretty phenomenal. Mm. Go Kay. right here ITU, we go. They're off round one Abu Dhabi. The results as they stand uh, will tell you one side of the story. Andrea Hewitt took out the females yes. race the in two, oh th- two hours, three minutes and 46 seconds. So they swam 19.53, rode at 106 and ran 35.51. Joe Simpson was second, same time as Andrea Hewitt, and uh, Sarah Vidic was in third place. On the guys' side of things, we had... I'll talk about the guys' race now because then I'll give myself a bit more time to talk about the girls. Javier Gomez is back, and man, he just killed it. It was just impressive. I haven't even, I'm, today, I'm going home to watch the coverage on the trainer because it's raining outside, and I'm a softy, and I'm not going home. Oh, mate. <laughs> and, uh, but I fast-forwarded the, the guys' race, and he's just the business that day. Really? He, was, uh, he had a bit of a poor swim, but then got on the bike, and I'm... I'm going to find out what happened on the bike today, but there was groups on the bike that sort of came together and, and he just kept driving, must have kept driving that front group, got off the run, had that group of sort of 10, and that was what I was wondering what was going to happen at these races. No Brownleys out there crushing it on the front. Are they still going to have enough motivated people to stay away from the likes of Richard Murray and Moeller and people like that? And in this case, they did. And uh, and then, I mean, he didn't crush the run. He ran, but his, his time was... Uh, Same as Richard Murray. 31-23. Just a little bit off. Yeah, yeah. so that the runners that came from the group behind didn't really run... Ran faster than Moeller. Yeah, only, only marginally quicker. Um, but he didn't have it all his own way Thomas Bishop um, another UK name he was right there towards the end but Gomez looked like he had it under control still had to work really hard and Vincent Louis came in third place but just fantastic for Gomez to be back and I saw Alistair Brownlee made a comment the other day you know sort of saying I'm looking at going long course don't know if I'll make it to Tokyo not ruling it out but he said you know the Olympics was was awesome but it really was a bit a bit wasn't the same not having Gomez there he said "I, I think I would have had him on the day and I think Probably would have, but it would he have meant more challenge. to him to have uh, Gomez on the on the, the start line. So 
Yeah, it was. This weekend was just a great advertisement for long course racing. So I'm of the opinion that they should be having short course stuff here and there. But this was a classic long course race, really smart course design. So it could have been a complete bore fest because it was based around the um, the car track there, the Formula One track. Yeah, we talked about how that could be boring. And it could have been a complete just bunch ride, ambling around the course, which has happened before. But they basically put cones everywhere, had them going in and out, uh, U-turns all over the place, quite technical. And that meant, in both the girls and the guys' race, that Oh, people, you got two minutes, John. People, you got no hope. That, that, that the groups were, were splitting up. The girls shelled out a lot of people from the front group and groups were able to stay away. So even on a flat course, it was interesting enough, dynamic enough that it actually kept the race interesting. Yeah, it's not bike racing because it is time trialling, group time trialling rather than attacks and all that sort of stuff. But I've, I've fast forwarded some of the girls' race. I mean, oh shit, I've missed the action. I had to go back and rewind it and then watch it again. And then the, the run was just, and, and the guys was just, Gomez had a shitty transition, had to come back and just looked the business and uh, it was a great advertisement for the sport. So do you think that he ruins my theory? Well, no, I, I still agree with you. Yes. I mean, he's he's winning that race and he's coming back and saying, yep, I'm still the business, I've still got it, but I do agree that he's only got, you know, your, your time. Tokyo's got, not happening, is it? Yeah, Tokyo's not happening and you've only got so long to do a, a dominating So wait, did, did Brownlee come out and say he's going to do long? Well, he said he's doing. He's definitely doing seventy point three. Yeah. Um, and he's just going to see how that goes. And see I'm what fascinated happens. to see the experience for him mm. for long. Will he be a lesson, or will he be? Who's the best ITU to go long, and be successful? Greg Welsh, pretty good. Uh, he only won Kona once, but he did. Uh, but he won lots of other races. Maka. Maka, but yeah, Maka. But Maka went early. Yeah. So Maka, you could oh, argue no, he had a long ITU career. Did he? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, he had a long ITU career. Uh, so I'd say Maka and. Crowy wasn't that successful no, at ITU. Wasn't very good at ITU, and the girls, Danielle Reef was pretty good at ITU, but she wasn't at world championship level. Miranda Carfrey never made it at ITU, really. So really, there's actually not much evidence other than Frodo. Frodo, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. other than Frodo, mm -hmm. there's not much evidence to say that ITU is a and guaranteed transition. You got a lot of the guys like Brent McMartin. No, you're eating into my time. <laughs> Bugger you, you wanker! Now I can't even talk about the girls' <laughs> race. <laughs> so Andrea Hewitt. Sorry for people that are coming in in the next 15 seconds. She just killed it. people paused? Oh, they must have. We, we talk shit all the time. <laughs> You've called me a wink. Shit. You say bloody in the interview a few times to the other girl. <laughs> anyway. Calm down your language. I'm going to get a swear jar on the show. Okay, that's five minutes. If you've just come back in, my time is done. I'm going to be another minute because <laughs> Bevan was rambling. So come back in another... Uh, another five minutes no i don't think i'm back another five minutes come back another minute and a half so girls race phenomenal great racing because the second group was down out of the swim and andrea and joe was in the second group was in the second group okay. jody stimpson they drilled it to get up the front i thought oh this is going to come a bit of a bore fest and then they just kept crushing it and were shelling girls out the back and ended up so they just kept it at the front and kept working did they Mm. And ended up with uh, you know ten in the front group when it could have been it was fifteen sixteen so they shelled out a good few few of them nice and uh, and it was just they were just drilling it the whole way and then it just became just on the run just the further you got in people dropped off and then it was just a three horse race coming into the final K and you didn't really know who was going to do it so, so you yeah. had Sarah. Sarah Villick, who was a real big surprise from Austria never done anything like that before and so well done to her so you went picking so you're going to say I was Andrea well, or? you didn't know. She looked pretty strong. Oh, did she? Okay. Um, and then 
Andrea and uh, Jodie Simpson just went for it. You kind of thought she's she's got it. And if you haven't seen the footage, go and watch it. And, and it looks like, no, I only saw the last 40 seconds, but it looks like Jodie had enough of a gap coming around that last bend you thought she had it. Absolutely. And then after burners. Andrea Hewitt took the corner wide and just sort of, it was almost like a banking, it was no banking there, but it was like a banking on the bike. Oh. Took her momentum and just drilled it. And it, it really was a case of that day, who wanted it the most? They're both yeah. at the same sort of level, but Andrea obviously just wanted it that little bit more. And, and it's a year since Laurent died, and and it is the best interview. There's my minute and a half, so welcome back if you just come back. Okay, uh, you will know that Andrea won it, but Andrea Andrea's interviews normally are not the most insightful. Well, she sort of relays what happened in the race when when you do the interviews, and so I was I was intrigued to see what she said, and it is a tearjerker that first part of the interview. I've never seen ever, ever, ever seen Andrea talk like that. Well, before. she says something quite cool. She says that Laurent would say to her, "You've got you know, the whole package." The one thing let, 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 let people go and watch it because oh, well, I, I was having a chat to a guy that I coach um, in Ireland, and he said, "Oh yeah, I watched that," and he he doesn't even really know Andrea, and he said, "Geez, it was a real te- okay. te- tearjerker." Go so watch go, it. Go and watch it's it. It's on the the World Triathlon Facebook page. So mm. if you're on Facebook, go check it out there. Awesome advertisement for ITU Racing. Yeah, and, and, and just awesome story, mm. isn't it? You know, Because we were trying to figure out when was the last time she actually won a race, and it was quite a few years ago, wasn't it? It was. She hasn't won many ITU races uh, well, in terms of the top, top level. Yeah, well, what's really interesting is that you've got Gomez's stats here, and you've got Gomez has done 50 starts with the World Triathlon Series. He's had 37 podiums, which is phenomenal, but only 13 wins. I thought we were in more. Mm. You know? It's, it's, it's I thought. Same. You got the brownies around it. Yeah, the brownies. Because before that, he was the guy who just dominated everything, wasn't he? Mm. So, and it's okay. the same with uh, Andrea. You know, she would, she's got a lot of podiums, and if you took Gwen Jorgensen out of the equation, she'd probably have quite a few more. Uh, yeah. Okay, John. Uh, a bit of a short action, and uh, what's coming up? Oh, yeah, there's nothing coming up really. A mm. short course action and a few seventy point threes. So no on distance races for the next uh, next few weeks. I don't think we've got a new segment, and it's called. Uh, what the hell, files? <laughs> I like the, I like the tone. It's kind of a, a, appropriate, John. We've got three segments here in the what the hell files. We have. So I, I saw this first, but when well, no, I didn't say one was I saw this, this first. I, I, I thought this may even come under the rent section. Uh, well, somebody posted. I'm just pulling that up now on our Facebook page. Let me just see who it was. Uh, I bet John's pleased to know that he's been entered into a prize draw for a Kona slot. I feel a rant coming on. Alistair Lang sent that in, and I replied. Yes, there is. <laughs> what did I reply to? There's even a new section to the show. So what the hell files? Thanks to the island. <laughs> what the hell files? We actually, he's brought, he's brought a um, filing cabinet into my house. Yeah. He just opens it up, pulls yeah. out the file. And the, thanks to the Island of Hawaii Visitors Bureau, the IHVB, 10 slots for the Ironman World Championships are now available to athletes who register for the Ironman 70.3 Hawaii before May the 1st, 2017. Well, what do you know? They've found another 10 slots on the pier. So wait a second. Just for entering. It's the same as what they did for Ironman Australia. It is a direct marketing plug to try to get more people to enter and then they just give away the slots. Wow. It is ridiculous. If you get one of those slots, fair play for you. <laughs> what no, if you get one? If, no, I'm... Um, no, I wouldn't. Don't think I'd take it. But <laughs> oh, yeah. No, not not because not because I. If, if you get one of those slots, good on you. Take it and go and race Hawaii. And good luck to you. And I, and I mean that. Yeah. You play by the rules. Yep. But again, the rules are ridiculous. So, yes, if 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 anybody on my camp the camp over there, I would say you take it. You you're entitled to it. That's yeah. the rules. But it's 
Bulk. Oh, I just cannot believe I'm swearing. it. I'm going to get my swear jar out. Ah, time is done. Time is done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's that's from what the hell files number one. It's just it's not a good trend. The only thing you may say is because they took slots away from that race, and it being the Kona race, being the the Hawaii race. I wouldn't have a problem with this if it was ten slots for locals. That'd be fine. But no, this is there's, there's, okay. there's no justification okay. for this. Okay, David Hale sent through this one, and, and again, he said I feel John Rant coming on, written by Tim Henning. Yes, Tim Henning. Uh, what's what's his name? Reporter, the reporter, something like that. The, yeah, I'm not quite sure. The, the, the keep this brief. It's the, the age group we talked about either last week or the week before. Um, Holly got banned. Ballo, she got banned for taking testosterone. Sounds like it was fairly knowingly. She won her age group at a at an Ironman race, and now here we go. Come on, she's been banned for doping, but she's competing in ultras under her maiden name. Again, something's not right there. And I've in situations like this, you actually feel sorry for the person. I feel sorry for the person because she's clearly got something not quite right. There. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like edit that hard out? No, no, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Oliver. I mean, come on. I mean, there's nothing quite. Something not quite right there. <laughs> How could you get banned and then go and do a race and and just? But are you banned from all sports or are you banned from triathlon? Like, is she allowed to do this? I don't think so, but I mean, how much? How much sway does like like if I get banned from triathlon because I've taken a drug? Ultras, I don't know. Can so, I play rugby? So Lance Armstrong, uh, I, I'm pretty sure my understanding is if you get banned and another sport is abides by the WADA rules, you're banned you from all be sports. Able to do it. So I guess if the ultra is not under that, fair fair play, maybe she's entitled. She's in the rules, John. So I suppose maybe I take that back a little bit. Maybe she's not. But it does leave me shaking my head. John, you're on fire today. Keep them coming. <laughs> Here we There's go. One more Here we go. Here we will keep it going. Do you want to comment on this one? Here we go. What is it? So, so the Syrian athletes that I was building up last week, um, ITU athletes going, this is great. There's yep. three yep. athletes from Syria right, entered in the um, ITU World Championship Series. And I thought, that's cool. Shows the diversity of the sport. Yep. They weren't able to get in um, to do the race because... Um, oh, the travel ban. Travel ban. And I uh, know it's not the American one, but they won't be able to race in America either, I don't think, um, because they were not able to get into Abu Dhabi. Well, one of them was... W What's happening in the world, John? Mm. Love so each other. One of the athletes is Olympic hopeful Mohammed uh, Al-Sabah, a Syrian-born Canadian resident who lives in Montreal and considered one of the best juniors on the circuit right now. As a road oh, well, that means a lot for his career then, doesn't his it? His road to Tokyo has taken a detour, as he's learned, just days out from the race that the UAE, United Arab Emirates, no longer issues travel visas to Syrian, Syrians. And thus this is a really interesting question for the organisation. were forced to sit out the race. Because ITU, this, this could be an ongoing problem. Like, look at what's happening under Trump America, where there is these Absolutely. parts of the world where they are saying, you know, we, we're going to make it harder for you to come to our country. Uh, agree or disagree, it, it seems to be something that looks like might be happening. Someone like ITU, putting on races, which is an international race. For all that reason, it was quite a long time before they had races in that the, part of the middle world. part of the world because of that reason. Uh, because I remember, the, I think it was the Israeli situation. Don't really know the facts here, but I know no, that, that, I don't know that, about it. That, that was a reason why they couldn't really have, have that. Because if you're an Olympic sport, it's got to be open to all the countries. Yeah. And so... This may be something that is an issue for America. Yeah. 
Well, it's, but it's a big issue for ITU if mm. this is going to become a big problem of the sport where athletes can't race at races because of the mm. location of the races. It's not a level playing field. No, and that means that maybe those places have to lose their races, mm. which is really interesting because we all go, well, that's where the money in sport is right now. Look what's happening in sport. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to that part of the world because there's big money there. Um, it's a really interesting dynamic happening for the ITU and some of the decisions they're going to have to make moving forward because even America, like, is there a race this year in America? Uh, no. Pretty, I mean, there'll be ITU races, but, but it's not, not part of the championship series, yeah. I think, off the top of my head. Yeah. Interesting that it doesn't work in America. Um, so, yeah, in, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to talk politics. Oh, you let me put my foot in everything, <laughs> and then you just back out and sit on the bloody fence. Oh, I don't know, because, I don't know, John, you're opening a can of worms here. Yeah. Okay, John, sponsor. X Endurance. No can of worms to be open here, just cans of fantastic products. Oh, what a, what a turnaround there, Newsom. Joint four, the only thing you lose is your pain. So it's got four fast-acting natural ingredients for joint health. Joint four is a scientifically-based formula of four proven ingredients that support the nutrition of joint synovial fluid, cartilage, and connective tissue. The unique formula has been been helping to reduce discomfort in joints for almost 20 years so check it out xendurance.com all the products on there if you use the promo code imtalk20 you get a 20% discount which is a fantastic deal so you guys got marathons coming up and stuff early season races uh, get into it and make yourself feel better on a muscular level with the extreme endurance especially the aging athlete how's Absolutely. your joints now that I'm actually running a bit more actually going a bit better you know what? I'm the same because I'm, I'm I'm in the Strava group. I've joined mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing this real slow build, and it's that whole thing of just allow my joints to get used to it mm. before I add intensity or duration. Mm -hmm. But you know, at this stage, my joints are holding up all right, especially when I do it at the gym. Mm. Oh, poor me. Poor Check me. it out, xendurance.com. Remember the promo code IMTalk20. Okay, discussion of the week, Jumbo. So last week's discussion of the week was. Who are the up-and-comers ITU athletes? It's basically ITU show this week, John. What's all that about? You've taken over. You had seven and a half minutes of ITU earlier. Got an ITU question here. And based off this, the listeners don't want any ITU stuff. Very weak response this week. Everybody. Oh, really? Well, there you yeah. go. So. Scott uh, Scott Watkins. Tricky call. Ali B and Gomez exploring long distance, possibly compromising Olympics. Could be, for, um, could be one for Johnny B. If he's consistent, Glenn Newbold, yep, him, uh, that guy, the one next to him um, for the ladies, she looks fit along with those ones over there. Hashtag short course, who cares? <laughs> Come on, Glenn. Um, Kiwi, we had a we had a win at the weekend. We should be proud of this stuff. Schumann and Mecca. This is Michael Kennedy. Have you read that one? Schumann and Mecca. Schumann for the series win and Mecca to, for bringing back some exciting formats. I know this series isn't ITU, but maybe ITU will see the benefits of that series and decide to change some of their formats as well. Yeah, good point. Richard Swan. Unfortunately, no newcomers from NZ will break through for a long time. I reckon, John, if I were to say to you, you are the head of Triathlon New Zealand, mm -hmm. what would you do? We've got a long show already, Bevan. Okay. Address that to me another time. Okay, because it's a big question, isn't it? It is. Uh, have you done Scott Watkins? Yes. Oh. Lucy Francis. We've only got five Johns. <laughs> okay. Florida will win the ITU series. Men, the Spanish, and the South Africans will be battling it out at the top of the podium. Uh, Frank Houdini McVeigh. Mm, thought this was I Am Talk. ITU, blah, blah. I'd rather listen to 70.3 than ITU. Okay, well then Andy's come back and go, come on, Frank. These guys and girls are complete badasses. Give them a break. Doesn't count if my 70.3 time is about the same as it took for Frodo to finish Rote last year. So, mm. very good times. It's an interesting topic. There, there definitely is a disconnect 
when you compare Ironman age groupers and pros versus ITU athletes age groupers and pros, it's quite different because you, you kind of feel like you're in the same race, you're doing the same thing when you do Ironman. Yeah. And that used Even though there is a separation nowadays, it still feels. Mm. And it used to be the same when I was doing ITU distance stuff. This was before drafting came in. The elites, yeah, they still had their separate race, but you kind of still felt like you're on the same team. And it's definitely different these days. You know, the ITU athletes are in their little bubble and they're the rock stars and there's not a lot of connection between the age groupers as far as what I see. And then when you're on the TV, because it's it's a big bunch dynamic, you know, they're just sort of talking about the leading few and you don't, you're not very clearly identifiable as opposed to a, an Ironman race where, you know, if you get to the front, you're at the front and, and they're going to be saying, hey, that dude's at the front rather than being in a pack of, you know, 10, 20 or 30 people. So it is um, hard and I'm not an ITU expert in terms of really following the... But I think most people on the show would think you're the biggest expert they know in ITU. You are <laughs> but, to me, and I'm sure most of our listeners In terms of looking at the middle of the pack and where things are coming up, I have, I have some clue, but I think on the guy's side of things, you know, Henry Schumann, it's a bit of a no-brainer. I mean, he got third at the Olympics and he won the final of the series last year, but he looked pretty average at the weekend. It's very early in the season, but he's a guy who's got the full full, full deal. You know, he's got the swim there. Um, he can keep up on the bike and he's got a good run when he's running well. So he's certainly one that's young enough to, to be coming through pretty strongly. I kind of think the Aussies are coming. So they've got a guy called Bert Whistle who came on pretty strong last season and Ryan Bailey. And they've got quite a good group there. So I think maybe we're going to see a bit of a renaissance. It'd be good to see that back, wouldn't it? Mm. So they've got some, some good athletes. So go you Aussies. Yeah, come on Aussies. Because then we can say Australasia. Exactly. <laughs> you know? yep. We can claim the Australians. So I think those two are to look out for. Another guy who's really starting to come on strong at the end of last season as well is a guy called Blumfontein. Uh, uh, Blumenfeld, no, Blumenfeld from Norway. Yep. And he just looked like a gutsy sort of athlete. He, he may not end up being the top, top dude, but a real gutsy sort of podium um, place getter. And then you can kind of throw a blanket over anybody from Spain or the UK. They're going to, they're just going to. We haven't seen the up. star yet, but have we? It's, no, we haven't seen the Brownlee. You know, when Brownlee came on. No, not quite. Schumann, you never know. Potentially. Hopefully. Maybe he might come on. I'm not quite sure. Um, so that's kind of a few people to look out for on the guys' side of things. I've only got really one on the female side that was really surprising at last weekend. She, I think she is possibly going to be the next um, Gwen Jordanson. Oh, really? Okay. So we are seeing that on the girls. Yeah, she, but she, she can't bike to save herself. So that she, can be done. That can be developed, can it? I yeah. think it can be. If you've got a weakness, that's the one you want, isn't it? Yeah, she, she, she managed to keep up last year and won the race in Edmonton, I think it was, um, Summer Cook, so she's American. She was right up there out of the swim, and they just completely popped her out on the bike out of the first group, and then she even got popped out of the second group on the bike. But she was a really strong runner at the end of last season. So if she can get that bike sorted out, um, and it might, might take another year or maybe even two years, it took, it took Gwen Jorgensen a little while, um, she could be a complete weapon. So get on your ITU stuff, people. Okay, good times rock and roll with this week's discussion, John. So I was having a, a talk to a lady called Christine Turner. She's a bit, she's done Ironman, mm-hmm. bit of a triathlete, and her partner's really into track cycling. Jeremy, he's he's big time track cyclist. You know, like mm-hmm. goes to worlds and stuff. Loves it. You know, age grouper, but loves it. Very committed. And while I was talking to her the other day, she was talking about his breakfast, and his breakfast was wheat bix and salmon. 
Mm. No, wheat bix and sardines. Mm-hmm. Wheat bix and sardines. And she goes, oh, he's got his protein and his carbs. And it made me just think of athletes are stupid. You know what I mean? Because we just look at it as a fuel. And so the question is, as athletes, I've written it down, as athletes, we can get to a place where we're making practical decisions around our nutrition, where we only look at food as fuel. This can mean that our food choices can be a bit weird, like, you know, Jeremy and his sardines and wheat bakes. Can you imagine that as a meal? I just can't. Sardines just don't do No, it. <laughs> I'm with you, Newsom. That is... And wheat bix, you gotta have some, does he have milk with it? Yeah. Milk sardines, yeah. So, um, so this week we want to know what have been the weird food choices that you have made because food is a fuel. Mm. I'm sure you've had a few. Yep, yeah. When I was doing that bit of that keto stuff, there was. A What's happening with that? Yeah, I'm still doing low carb, but not as, as I've said before. Sort of more periodized stuff. So, on my days where I've got low intensity training, try to go reasonably low, and uh, on the days where I'm doing. But you're not doing the ketosis as such. No. No, not at the moment. I will sort of go in and out of that from time to time, but not at the moment when I'm doing Ironman stuff. Okay. Mm. Good times to rock and roll. So the discussion is, what have been the weird food combinations that you've made because food is just a fuel, like wheat bix and sardines. Oh, I just cracked up when I heard that. <laughs> wheat bix and sardines. And I was, imagine if you did it dry. Oh, imagine sardines juices on wheat bix. Yuck. Okay, John, we've got a few interviews coming up. Let's get into the winner of Ironman New Zealand. Jombo, we have... Jocelyn McCauley. Jocelyn McCauley, here she is. Okay, at the weekend we had Ironman New Zealand and uh, myself and I think probably a lot of other people were thinking maybe it's going to be a Meredith Kessler show or possibly Yvonne Van Verken or Laura Siddle or maybe even Annabelle Luxford but uh, a guest we've had on the show in the past went out there and absolutely crushed it. Jocelyn McCauley we've had on the show before. She was first place in Kona in 2014 in the age group race and has been battling away trying to make the make it as a pro since then um, and she joins us now from Queenstown. How are you feeling Jocelyn? I'm feeling great. Still on my little, you know, win high that you always get after a race and everything. So just uh, enjoying my holiday down here on the South Island now. So, What, what were your goals going into the race? As I said, it was a, it was a bloody stacked woman's field. And, uh, you know, some of them were doubling up from Wanaka. But still, it was very, very strong field. So what were your expectations and, and goals leading into the race? Yeah, um, yeah. Funny enough, like I, I have been wanting, you know, a really good result at this race. I wanted one last year when I DNF'd, and and um, you know, I had, I've had Ironman New Zealand pictures down in my pain cave, and I had this Ironman New Zealand logo I printed out and put it next to my door. I saw it every swim and run that I went on, and I had a lot of ambitious, you know outcome goals so, i mean i i will i wanted to win the race so i mean i like i had that as a goal so um and i wanted to break three hours in the marathon so uh you know i had those two goals and i was working towards them and then then when i got into taupo i was just overly stressed with that goal like i was just like putting too much pressure on myself i mean the pressure of an outcome goal you can't really always do much about that on race week you can do stuff about that when you're training but on race week an outcome goal is you know your race will be what it will be and whatever the outcome will be will be and so uh i switched into more of a process oriented uh thought process the week of race week and took that stress off myself and that really helped me to be able to 
be, you know, a stressful and actually execute a good race um, instead of being all wrapped up into that outcome and everyone else's plan and just be able to race my own race. So talk us about the day. The, the swim sounded like it was pretty choppy. So maybe talk us through the swim first. Yeah. Yeah. The swim was pretty choppy. <laughs> it was uh, it's pretty brutal out there. Um I I just was I was done with the race when it started. That was a horrible swim. I'm not the best swimmer in the world, so. Uh, but my goal was to uh, go with Emma Bilham. Like I've swum with her. I swam with her in Mallorca uh, in September, and um, I knew I could stay with her and to that she would you know have a good swim. And I figured that that was probably also going to be Yvonne's plan and and Laura's plan after you know Wanaka. They were just a couple minutes off of her and. And that was like there was a big group of us all together. Like Vanessa Murray was in that, um, and I think one other person. And and so it was a a group of us. And uh, like Emma and some other people kept going in and out because you couldn't really see the buoys at all. Uh, and so they would swim in and then see the buoy, have to swim back out. Whereas as Laura, like she's done the race before, and she's just an amazing sighter, and she just knows the course. And so she went down. And um, and saw the mountain that you can side off of. So I just followed her instead of uh, going in and out and in and out. And so we had a little bit of a straighter course, but uh, it was still rough and and ridiculous out there. So, but it was a, it was a good swim. It was you know a 59 minute swim is not a fast swim, but it you know was a good swim for the day. And and just being six minutes back from you know MBK and Annabelle Lexford was you know a good feeling. So. Bike, you, you improved your bike time but 25 minutes from two years ago in what was, again, sounded like very, very difficult conditions. You know, last year they had record-setting conditions. This year was uh, certainly far from that. So talk us through the bike. It, it seemed that you were, you were riding with Yvonne. I mean, the coverage was crap online, but it seemed like you were, you were riding, <laughs> with, um, riding with Yvonne and Laura for most of the way, and those guys uh, are two of the, this really strong cyclists around and had a good old battle in Wanaka as well. So how did this sort of bike unfold? Were you guys sort of sharing the load or were you just sort of keeping in, in the same range of each other? How did it unfold? Yeah, yeah, um, you know, because I, I came out of transition first and uh, with Emma and then took off with her and uh, Yvonne and Laura caught us going up the hill and, and so I just took off behind them because I, I, you know, I knew that if I could stick with them that, I mean, they had an Ironman in their legs so I knew I could outrun them. Um, so I just was like, I got to stick with them on the bike and and I had heart rate, you know, parameters to, to hit and, and everything. Um, and we were, we were stretching them for a lot of the time. And, uh, and so, I mean, Yvonne pulled probably the, the majority of the first lap. Like I went up and I tried to take a pull. I was like, I'll try to take a pull. And she was like, yeah, we got to work together to go catch, you know, MBK and them and stuff. So, so I tried to, but you know, I was, I was going way out of my, zones that I wanted to be in and that I should be in to be able to, you know, get a good run in as well and finish the bike in a good shape and stuff. So, so uh, then uh, coming back into town, Yvonne actually accidentally went straight where we were supposed to turn. And so, um, sorry about oh, the ambulance good. coming right by. <laughs> <laughs> <It's cool>. Seriously, <laughs> sorry. Um, 
And so, and so she went off, and uh, and then Laura and I uh, were working together, and then at uh, at special needs, uh, Laura dropped me as I was trying to get my stuff. So, so that it was uh, Yvonne and me, and and then we got all back together again. So. So it was a, you know, and then uh, the last lap, it was mostly uh, Laura pulling. Uh, I did try to take, like, three or four pulls there as well. I mean, I'm trying to share the load and everything, but uh, it's hard to share the load when, you know, you're getting out-biked and outclassed on the bike. I, you know, I, I, there's not much more that I can do for them. So, uh, yeah, got dropped a handful of times, made my way back up to them, and uh and everything so it went well though it was it was good i just yeah i hope to be able to do more work on that bike in the future so and the, the run you, you said a goal was to go under three hours and you, you did that went 259 which is bloody impressive on that course i don't know what the female run course record is but it's not for people listening it is not a flat course it's not ridiculously hilly but it's just got all these little bumps in it that just kill your legs um so i'm very impressed with a 259 um so we know you had to to chase down meredith um and pass her and then you pulled away and and won it relatively comfortably um did the run all go pretty much to clockwork and and were you at your limit Actually, I really didn't, <laughs> but uh, I didn't think I was running that fast. I, I again, I, I race all on heart rate, and I don't even look at my pace that I'm that I'm hitting um, on while I'm racing, and I wasn't even looking at total time or anything like that, you know. So I had I had absolutely zero idea until Mike Riley told me at the finish line that he thought I broke three hours. And I just couldn't believe him. So, so, um, so starting starting out, you know, I was just like, be patient, you know, be patient, be patient. My my coach has always said, you know, it's the last half of the marathon, it's the last 10k that you that you can race. You can't race until then. So, so just trying to be patient, be patient, be patient. Just kept going through my head, and um, and then when I you know came alongside Meredith and she came up with me and running together with her with you know in in Taupo was just. A, an amazing, amazing, you know, thing, an opportunity to have. So uh, running next to a legend like that, it was just amazing. Um, you know, dream come true. Like, I couldn't believe I was there. So so it was, it was good. I uh, was struggling so hard to keep my heart rate up, though. Like, it was uh, probably about five beats lower than, than what I was expecting and what I was uh, shooting for and what I was wanting. But... You know, those last two laps were, you know, agonizing uh, on my legs because I, you know, had a pretty, you know, hard bike on my legs um, at that point and, you know, a rough swim. So, but it was still, still good, still happy. And, you know, I kept having like, a, you know, that little extra gear. I was saving it because I could hear people saying, go Meredith. And I could hear like another cyclist behind me. So I was like, any behind me? I don't even know. And my support crew wasn't telling me how far back anyone was. So I had I had no idea that they, like, I had it in the bag, like, you know, uh, during that last lap. And I was running scared the whole time. I was like, <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> so, I mean, which is a good thing, or I wouldn't have broken three hours. So I'm glad they didn't say anything. <laughs> At what, what point did you know you hit it? 
Um, honestly, not until I reached, say, you know, you go up this hill to the finish line and, and you have the grandstands, um, there and I heard Mike Riley there and he said, and here comes your Ironman New Zealand, uh, first place female. I was like, well, he's not going to announce that right here unless, like, they can't catch me down this finishing shoot, right? So they can't be close enough behind me that they can out-sprint me or anything. So I'm going to sit and, you know, enjoy this finish line and not have to, like, keep looking over my shoulder and, and worry. Because it's always a worry to get caught in the finishing shoot. Because you can't hear anything with everyone cheering, and, you know. So you keep looking back, and you're not sure. So, so yeah, I had, I had no idea until that that moment that I had it in the bag, which was, you know, what, like 40 seconds before I finished. So, In terms of, you know, the, the victory there, I mean, I know you won Ironman Mallorca um, last year, and with all due respect to that field, it was not of the same yes, calib- caliber yes. of, as Ironman New Zealand. I mean, that field was as strong an Ironman field as you're going to get anywhere in the world by quite some margin. So, how does this change things for you? You know, you've got 4,000 points now in terms of the rankings. I think Torsten says you need around about 4,300 to be really safe. So what does winning this race, getting the points in the bank um, sort of mean for the rest of your season now? Do you just focus on Kona or are you just going to keep keep to your plan? And I know you had other Ironman races um, planned. So what, what does it sort of mean? Yeah, I mean, I like, like every, every athlete out there knows, like, you know, race plans, you know, like your race season plans just don't ever go, go as planned. I mean, I had two seventy point threes that I, I didn't end up finishing, uh, that I was hoping for points at and stuff. So, uh, if I had those, I just wish I had those. (laughs) So, uh, right now the plan, um, is probably to do Ironman Texas. It's in, you know, uh, six and a half, seven weeks uh, from now. So it's a hometown race. I'm from Texas. My parents live close by. I uh, It's a training base that I've been at a lot. So it's it's a wonderful, wonderful race. It's a flat bike course, which really suits me. Um, a beautiful run course, very hot, but uh, still very fun. So I'll probably I'll probably do that. I've had several people tell me not to do another Ironman and just try to you know do a couple seventy point threes and then focus on Kona, which is in my mind just uh, crazy to be saying focus on Kona like this early in the season. I just didn't you know well I, I wanted this to happen, but you know I didn't know if it could or would be able to happen. So it's just uh. An amazing thing to be able to say, but uh, I might also do 70.3 uh, Santa Rosa in California. So those are my two races that I'm looking at. Um, St. George 70.3 North American Championship is also in the mix, but um, probably not going to happen. So, uh, yeah. We, we spoke to you after you won Kona as an age grouper back in 2014, and your last two outings have been pretty sensational. But what, what happened in that gap between being an age grouper to turning pro? You know, maybe talk us through that transition and what that experience was like for you. Yeah, yeah, it was a very quick, quick transition because uh, I did my first Ironman in uh, May 2014 at Ironman Texas. And then did Kona, um, and then uh, turned pro in January after Kona, and uh, it was an eye-opening uh, 
experience just because, I mean, I had done two Ironmans. I had raced as an age grouper. I saw what that was like and just figured, uh, you know, being so naive in the sport that, oh, it's just going to be the same but quicker. Like, that's all it is. It's the same thing but quicker, which is, I mean, lots of people say this, but it's so true that, you know, they are, you're racing at the same time, but they are two different races um and everything and so jumping into those pro ranks i i was just my eyes were <laughs> like whoa what is happening <laughs> like i mean you're out there there's not as many people out there you don't have you don't see people on you know the bike course as often you know you're only you know you know 15 to 30 people on that swim start line and and everything so it's it is it's a lot different and then the business aspect of it is is just uh stressful and and a lot different as well and and so it's it's been a big big learning curve but also so fun i wouldn't be doing this if i didn't enjoy it so now we know you've got to get on a on a boat um we don't want to interrupt that so if people want to follow what you're up to um i had a quick look on your website yesterday and you you keep a a nice blog on there so if people want to follow what you're up to and your journey to what we would expect to be kona it seems kind of crazy that you can win two ironmans and you still haven't uh probably quite got enough points to (laughs) to be in kona but uh that's the way it is so if people want to follow you you know what's the, the best way to do that um, I do a lot of uh, Instagram. That's Jocelyn McCauley. I do a lot of Facebook and occasionally post on Twitter, which is uh, Jossie, J-O-C-E, McCauley. Awesome. Um, well, you enjoy your time down in Queenstown. and The weather's crap in Christchurch, so hopefully it's uh, going to be a oh, little bit Oh, it is better. here too. Oh, <laughs> it's no good. Um, I'm frozen right now. <laughs> when, we, when, we, when we first got it, we'd, uh, we had a uh, video. We, you had a you you hat on and a jacket. It looked like you are going to the bloody Antarctic. Um, and we look oh, forward yeah, to, it is. <laughs> we look forward to catching up with you maybe at some stage before Kona because um, it's really nice hearing these stories of age group who are able to make that successful transition across to the pro ranks and, and well done on a, an absolutely awesome race yeah, at the weekend. Thank you. Thank you so much and thanks for having me on. Nice to chat with you guys. Pretty good times. Pretty amazing. Yeah, How very cool impressive. Especially when she set these two big goals and, and pulled them both off. Mm. Interesting that she didn't know she'd won it. Mm. You know, she didn't even look back. Mm. People say don't look back, but would you? Well, it, the th- you would, but it's very hard in that race. It's yeah, because it's three it's lapper. Three, I, yeah. It's either three or four now. It might even be four. I think, it, yeah, I'm not quite sure. It's either three or four. But you look back, you can't really no. see what's going on. No. And the only time it is is when you um, when you get just towards the end, you've maybe got a, a few hundred metres before you turn in the finishing shoot, and then there's nobody behind you yeah. um, because they're all going off in the other laps. But uh, in some ways, as she said, it was probably the reason she got sub three because there was no mm. you know running scared. Mm. So... Yeah, very impressed with that result. You know, that's a, you know, that's a, I can make top ten in Kona sort of yeah, result. Yeah, really cool, really cool. So it'll be interesting to watch her year, and we may get her back on the show later on. Yeah. So, John, we're going to we're doing the age grouper now. Do you want to hold this for next week? Because um, we've got quite a bit of time already. Okay, we're going to hold, hold it for, for next week. week. Okay. Uh, next interview we have we have is it Kimberly Morrison from the UK, and she's about to go. Well, she is a pro, and uh, we're going to talk to her right now. Here she goes. 
Okay, guys, um, we've, uh, this today's show is a bit of a different one. We've got uh, an age group athlete who's really made that transition from winning Kona, uh, age group race, to now cracking it um, fairly big time as, as a pro when we had Jocelyn McCauley on earlier in the show. And our next guest, uh, Kim Morrison, is going to be uh, hopefully taking that same sort of trajectory. She's um, turned pro, right, focusing on the 703 Distance. Rob Lines sent us through an email saying we've got to get on her. She drilled it over in um, Abu Dhabi fairly recently, being able to be one of the very few females to keep up with uh, Daniela Reef. So, welcome along to the show, Kimberly. Great, thanks very much. Thanks very much for having me. And uh, <laughs> just just to clarify, it was uh, Ironman seventy point three Dubai in Dubai. Uh, in January. Ah, oh, very yeah. good. Not Abu Dhabi. I mean, it's Abu Dhabi. It's about the same time, isn't it? You've it's even got Dubai written down here. Well, maybe I should read, up. read my own show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So tell us a bit about um, where you're from. And uh, what's this first question about, John? Well, I, I went onto Kimberly's website yesterday, and I, just to, to have a bit of a look through. And the first thing I saw was her running with a dog. So I want to know where you're from, and um, what's your dog's name? Assuming it was your dog that you were running with. Yeah, yeah. We uh we're not from Alaska, but we have an Alaskan Malamute. Her name is Suka. And in Inuit that translates to fast. So oh, she's nice. eighteen months she's eighteen months old now and we got her we got her purely because we uh we love running dogs, so we um we've got her to an age now where she can come out training with me, which is great. She makes a great running companion. And, and do you train with her a lot? We do we do a lot of running together, yeah. She <laughs> She does no biking with me though, and no swimming. But yeah, <laughs> yeah we run a lot together. Tell us a bit about your your, your background. Um, you know, often we we hear about you know professional athletes that have you know either come from a you know swim background, they've been a collegiate swimmer or an ex international cyclist or a runner or whatever. So it looked to me like twenty twelve was your sort of first season of racing tri as a, as an age grouper. So what was your story before before triathlon? Yeah, that's right. So 2012 was when I got into triathlon as an age grouper. But previous to that, um, well, I, we're from Norfolk in the, in the UK. And, um, and at, at the age of three, I had open heart surgery. I was uh, deemed strong enough at the age of three to undergo the surgery. It was because I had a hole in my heart. Wow. So ever since that surgery and that operation, I've always... Um, I'm not sure. I've I've had big ambitions in sports. School, I I took part in all the sports, but most uh, most successfully field hockey. So I took that to Loughborough University, and then when I went into the big world of banking in London, when I graduated from Loughborough University with a maths degree, I I joined club hockey and absolutely loved it. And then I read Chrissy Wellington's book <laughs> and took on my first triathlon in 2012. As simple as that, and again loved it it's completely different for me it's an individual sport but I've I've learned very quickly that you need a really big team around you to become successful so when triathlon started really taking off we um I made the decision to not play field hockey anymore and to get a coach and my first coach was Perry Agas and um here I am now in 2017, looking looking to go out back out to Buenos Aires to hold on to my title. It's crazy. It, it's exciting, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. 
Oh, I will say that you know we, we interview a lot of pro athletes and a lot of them have got really rubbish websites. Uh, so I've got to give you a compliment. Your website looks really smart and professional and you've got some good content in there. So well done on that. Um, <laughs> and um, just maybe just talk us through your progression. So you sort of said you started in 2012 and, and obviously now it's five, five years down the track. You know, what's your, was, it, was it instant success for you at an age group level? And maybe just talk us through that pathway. So actually, just, you know, um, deciding to, to take your pro card. In 2012, I got into the Great Britain age group team. And that, that was exciting. I didn't set any records. I didn't get on any podiums. But we were having a great time traveling, doing triathlon. I mean, the first time I represented Great Britain as an age grouper was in the World Duathlon Championships, which was in Ottawa, Canada. So that felt really cool. You had the age group vest on, loads of like-minded people around you, really great buzz. And the 2012 season was, yeah, it was it was it was it was pretty ordinary to be honest it was, <laughs> it was then in 2013 when i got a couple of wins i got a couple of local wins to my name but it was really in 2014 when i became european age group champion that was held in kitzbühel that year and that's when things really felt like wow how far can we really push could could i could I become really, really quite good at this? I mean, could I be writing a book like Chrissy Wellington? Could I be going to Kona? So, yeah, like I said earlier, I, I got myself a coach. He he was the one that actually prepped me into that race. And, and I guess credit to him, we won that gold medal together. And later on that year, we decided that perhaps my run wasn't showing great ITU potential. So we gave middle distance a go. I mean, if you can't go fast, go long, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so we gave middle distance a go, and I did my first one, which was the Cotswold Middle Distance Triathlon, a local one for us here, and um, and came came second and ha- had a nice race. My uh, my bike potential looked good in that race. I mean, there was it was a decent average speed, if I remember correctly, and and things were looking really promising for 2015 which was when we were going to target as an age grouper the Ironman 70.3 World Championships. Yeah. And, 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 oh, just get a little ooh, bit of just get a little sound coming back. There's well, a reverb. A little bit of reverb. Um, so in terms of then 2015, did you head off to the, the 70.3 World Champs? Yeah, so 2015 we had a little bit of a mix-up. I joined forces with Mark Pierce, who's now my coach. We yeah we targeted the world championships. I unfortunately didn't qualify in my first target race, which was Ironman seventy point three pays to X in France. Had a good race, finished uh, believe within the top fifteen, including pro women, but had two really strong age group age group girls. So I yeah. I sat there in the audience eager and excited to go and get my place, but it never happened. Oh, so no. if you, <laughs> it was disheartening. The family were there too. It was it was disappointing, but it fueled the fire for Ironman 70.3 Haugesund, where I, I had a fantastic race there. Everything went really strong, swam well, cycled strong, and, and had to uh, run PB off the back of the bike. So I ended up finishing seventh overall, including the pros in that race and getting my spot for the world champs. So uh, a, a great a great day and a great race. And actually a race I'm going to go back to this year as a professional. 
Nice. And talk, talk us through Worlds then. Yeah, the World Championships was a great experience, getting all the kit, <laughs> seeing, <laughs> seeing all the pros, mooching around. Uh, my coach came out. He had quite a few athletes racing. Um, my, my training partner, Eloise, was there. It was a, a magical atmosphere. My family came out. Really good friends came out. Come race day, I felt excited. I felt nervous. I felt very expectant. Everyone had come to watch, and I wanted to stand on the podium at the end of the day. The race unfolded okay. It was it was average. The swim was average. The swim was very busy. the The cycle clearly didn't suit me. I lost a lot of time. There was a fifteen kilometer climb. It was Zelamzi. And I dropped a lot of time. I must have dropped down into maybe the into 30th position in my age group or something. And it was in the second half of the bike leg where I really clawed back again. Um, I believe I came off the bike in about sixth or seventh position and then held on to this with a with an average run and, and came home sixth at the age group Ironman 70.3 World Championships on reflection. It was okay, but it's definitely not what I went out there to race for. Um, I'm ambitious. I always, <laughs> I always race to win, and I think that's why racing professionally suits me so much better. When you when you race as an age grouper, it's so difficult to know where you are in a race. And I think anyone thinking, "Gosh, I'm I'm doing well as an age grouper. I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm winning a few races. I'm I'm getting in amongst the pros." I say, you know, if if you, if you can go and race professionally, because it gives us such a different vibe. You really are racing for the win, and you know exactly where you are in the race. So, so the plan. At what stage did the plan become to be a pro, and and then how did you kind of move towards that? Yeah. So after the World Championships, we went to Hever Castle and we did the gauntlet. This was a this was a this was a professional race. They they have a, a a few local professionals come and race. So I went and won that race, and it was televised, and there was some pre and post race in, interviews, and it it felt good, it felt strong. the The nature of the race I felt suited me. So we then submitted my race times from the 2015 season most notably the Ironman 70.3 Haugesund result to British Triathlon who then granted me my professional race license this was due to being within a certain percentage of the pro winner so then I was able to go to challenge Sardinia and challenge Phuket later that year and race my first races as a pro and in Sardinia I finished sixth and challenge Phuket finished eighth so, so what's the the whole process been like? Um, as I said, we interviewed Jocelyn McCauley earlier today in today's show, and she said it was you know it was a, she was pretty pretty green to it, and it was it was a big transition for her going from age group to professional, for a number of reasons that you you've identified as well. You know, you're going from having quite a few people around you, and at some races maybe it's a bit different. Iron Man, you know, to having nobody around you for for big chunks of the race. So, what was the transition like for you in terms of a, a racing sense, and also just in terms of your daily setup did things change in terms of your training and 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 were you really going at this professionally or just racing as in the professional ranks yeah 
I was in 2015 where we did those two challenge races, Sardinia and Phuket. The setup at home was exactly the same, uh, still working for the family-run business. Um, my husband and I moved back to Norfolk late 2014, actually, to work for the family-run business. So the setup was all the same. My coach was the same. And to be honest, the training didn't didn't change that much. It was, for me, getting experience in the late part of 2015 to see if we could open up some opportunity to give a good full year as a professional in 2016. And even leading into 2016 and Ironman 70.3 Buenos Aires, which was my first race of that year, still not, nothing really changed. It was just the race dynamics are so different like you say you you know where you are you know if if you're there to race to to win then it's the race to be in because you know exactly where you are so yeah I'd say nothing much changed back in 2015 was the experience and then 2016 was having the confidence to go out and say yep I'm racing professionally and I'm I'm happy to put myself on the start lines uh, um, clearly, your, your cycling is a, a, a real weapon for you. You know, if you can be riding with Daniela Reef, you know, there's not many people, or well, there's pretty much nobody in the sport that can do that. Um, uh, it, sometimes, obviously, we see people just drilling it on the bike and then detonating on the run. So, you know, are you feeling like um, in Dubai, not Abu Dhabi, uh, in races <laughs> like that? Are you? Have you? Have you? Are you running to your potential or are you um, – because you know, some people look at your run splits and go, well, there's other people running a lot quicker, but it may be that you are actually running to your potential. So how, how is your run developing relative to, say, your bike at, the, at, at most of the races you're doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And post Ironman 70.3 Dubai, I, I had a little bit of criticism from uh, different areas about my run and how perhaps holding back on the bike may help my run. But I think – what I've got to appreciate and the team around me appreciate is that at Ironman 70.3 Dubai, this race was the first of the Triple Crown. It was it was attracting a, a really strong field and really strong runners. I mean, these girls are, are running sort of 120s. They are phenomenal runners and there's a lot of girls in there with running backgrounds. So I was being compared in this race to, to some of the best girls on the circuit. So... With my biking, and I believe my biking has become stronger due to the nature of where I live. I mean, we live in Norfolk, which is really flat. So when I go out riding, I'm I'm always putting pressure through the pedals. Um, I'm not afraid to go out outside either. I would say 90% of my training is done outside. And um, I was listening to Lionel Sanders the other day and how he says he does a lot of his bike training on the turbo. It's similar, I guess, because his training on the turbo means he's not resting up either. He's continuously putting pressure through the pedals. So so my, my biking has come on a lot. My running in Dubai perhaps didn't show the run potential I have, but end of 2016, after challenge Walshi, which was the European Championships, I picked up a stress fracture. So we had 10 and a half weeks off running. So come Dubai, I wouldn't say I was properly run fit, but I'm confident to say that come Sunday, I should be showing a stronger, a stronger run split off an equally strong bike. So I'm excited. 
Because, I mean, I, I looked at, you had a, a 10K result on your website of um, 40 minutes when you won a 10K race, and, and that translates in a, in a half iron, man, to, you know, a high 120s. And so I think sometimes people, as you said, they look at your bike split and go, oh, rubbish run split, but I actually thought, you know, a, a high 120s, and I think you ran 130 or something like that in Dubai was... Um, was seemed to be respectable for for where your running's at. So where where to from here for you? You know, um, it's it's you know you're still pretty early in your professional career and and relatively still pretty early in the sport. You know, what are your what are your aspirations? Um, short, you know, maybe for this season and and longer term. Yeah, my aspirations this season are Sunday's the big one. The Sunday's a, a really big race for me. We've been preparing for this one all winter so go back to Argentina and do the best I can and then the next goal for the season is the Ironman 70.3 world championships the um the rate the course I believe will suit me really well so we are we are focusing all of our races to be as strong as I possibly can for this race so I'm gonna go and do some European races over the summer rest up and then head out to Chattanooga uh, early September. How do you go making a living, you know, going from this kind of age group to pro? Like, how does that work for you? Getting financial sponsors on board is is the way I've been able to go out to these countries and race. I'm very fortunate that Jacuzzi, hot tub company, are financially sponsoring me. I just said it on your Twitter feed. It did look pretty good. I was thinking, that's yeah. what you want in your backyard, I tell you. It's it's the perfect recovery tool. <laughs> yeah, so they um they've been kind enough to give me the opportunity to do what I'm doing and more importantly to go out to these fantastic countries with my husband to race. And it's it's great because we can do um, a number of different races and and race against different girls too. So very very grateful for that support and I still work part-time for the family run business here at home in Norfolk. Went some pools, so it's all related with swimming and recovery and triathlons. So it's a nice mix. Oh, if you've listened to our last couple of podcasts, the, uh, it's the way spa, to go the spa, the spa pools and the jacuzzis and stuff, there is uh, going to be a, a big market in the triathlon world if people keep listening to our show. Now, um, in terms of, when, when, I'm always intrigued if you go to these 70.3 races like last year I'm sure you turned up in Argentina and probably not a lot of people knew about you, is there assistance for athletes like yourself to, to get to these races, obviously you've got your personal sponsors and stuff but you know, do you guys get to write to the race organisers and say look I want to come out, can you help me out or is it very much a case that you've got to go out there, roll the dice and, and hopefully make some prize money I think it's dependent on who you are um, and your results as an athlete. And I think it's also dependent on how well you've done in their races in the past. For me, when we travel out to Buenos Aires, we've been fortunate enough to be sponsored by Elite Training Experience, who have kindly funded the flights for us or for, for myself and accommodation. And the race organizers have put myself and my husband up in a hotel prior to the race. So that's the support I'm receiving for Buenos Aires. I believe that different different race different race venues, different race organizers have, have, have different budgets to spend and to support their professional athletes. So I think it changes from race to race. 
And in terms of your longer term plans, you know, you said 70.3 world champs as a, as a focus this year along with this weekend. You know, um, you mentioned Kona very early in the piece when we um, we started chatting. So what are your sort of longer term um, aspirations? Is it, you know, sticking to the 70.3 distance or, uh, or seeing if you can go over there and uh, crack it on the big island? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Go over there, crack it on the big island. That's a that's an ambition. That's a dream. That's something that my coach and I have 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 got have got written down. We've been we've been talking about it. We've been planning. So I I could be doing my first Ironman towards the end of this season. We'll see how things go. But it's definitely uh, it's I'm very respectful of the distance. And I appreciate that I haven't gone longer than a 70.3 as yet. So we'll have to see. But of course, ambitions (coughs) for sure. Awesome. And if, um, if people want to follow what you're doing, you know, and, and as I said, your website's great, so maybe give yourself a bit of a plug in terms of uh, your website and, and other ways people can follow you. Yeah. Um, so my name's Kimberly Morrison. This year I'm racing for Race Hub based in Leicestershire. My website, www.kimberlymorrison.co.uk. You can follow me on there. There's links to my Twitter and Instagram and Facebook page. And there's also recent media articles, photos, and lots of race blogs. You've got a good photographer. And, and is photography a skill of yours, or have you got somebody uh, fancying up things for your website? Some cool shots there. Yeah, my coach, Mark Pierce, is also a photographer. So oh, look at that. Two, Multi-purpose. Two for the price of one. <laughs> Fantastic. Lock it in. Awesome. Oh, fantastic. Good luck um, this weekend, and we look forward to you being part of the uh, British Armada, which uh, seems to be crushing all distances uh, and everywhere around the world um, later in the season as well. And, and also well done on Jacuzzi sponsorship. It's pretty pretty good sponsor. It's well done. <laughs> cool. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for your time and taking out to talk to me. Okay, Jumbo. You know, I've never thought about running with a dog. I'm not a dog. I'm not a... And not a, no, I'm uh, a big animal person myself either. But yeah. but I imagine for those who have dogs who can go running with, what a cool thing to do. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, you know, other than to wipe their bum or pick up their poos. <laughs> yeah. You know? In New Zealand, it's a law. You have to pick up the poo. Right. Yeah. The council by the council. Please keep doing that, people. Yeah. Yep. You know? We used to have a neighbour. I lived in Addington, which is not really a fresh product of town. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid. And we used to have a neighbour, this old guy who lived three horses down. And he had a dog called, he called Gilly. And I think it was a boy, which is a bit weird. And he would walk down to the neighbours. Let's get his dog to shit on their lawn. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> yeah, bugger. Uh, Jumbo sponsor. I'm going to tie this into giving a nickname here, Bevan. So if you scroll down to the bottom of the show notes here and, and look at, um, I'm very sorry, I'm going to pronounce your surname uh, atrociously badly. But Tom. Gonna, no, no, no. The second patron down there, I'm going to go. Sam. Mudge. Uh, Magic oh. Zikant. I reckon Zikant's pretty good, but Zikant, let's, let's, right. let's have a look. Wait a second. Marich Zikant. Marich Zikant. She's mm. from, um, from Holland. Oh, Calvin Yell. <laughs> nice one, <laughs> That means I love you. Because <laughs> my ex was Dutch, and uh, I actually saw my ex the other day, and uh, old Annalise. She, I was going out with Annalise when this show started. Right. About that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 2004, so... Uh, yep, you guys know about that breakup. <laughs> and, uh, yep, okay, how you So, athlinks.com, she's got her results up on athlinks.com. Oh, which great. Which is great. And she's of the older generation in terms of racing. She's been racing for, for quite some time. And she's managed to get up there her result from Ironman Lanzarote in 
1998. Wow. This is the cool stuff. You and her Ironman World Championship result in 98 as well. Exactly. Matthew Belfield won this race from Los Palmas in Spain. Back it up. Look at this. So in 1998, she did 1734. So there must have been cutoffs. Yeah. Or I'm, maybe this is wrong because then she went to Kona that year and did 1037. So it's a great turnaround <laughs> if that's the case. These results, uh, they might be right, but I mean, the, the winner here is, is 1445. Surely that can't be right. And Lanzarote? Yeah. Maybe it was one of those really stupid hard years. Yeah. Winner of the race or? Yeah. Of the whole race. They must have done this in a different way because there's, there's times here like 26 hours, 34 minutes. Yeah, no, there's, there's something wrong with those results then because seven hours difference between six months of racing yes that's all you need to figure out what kind of training you're doing there yeah so 560 people doing it in 1998 but i guess yeah my main point is um she's got all her results up there on on athletes.com she got second in her age group in kona she won her age group in kona as well oh wow so she's an x 1999 won her age group second in 98 went back in 1999 and won it won her age group in switzerland in 2002 so she's an x of an athlete Went um, and the one thing I will say though that something must have happened at Ironman Switzerland in two thousand two, because she's currently in the age group of the sixties plus. Yep. She went seven fifty nine at uh, Ironman Switzerland in two thousand and two. She's still winning her age group, but Regensburg, she just won her age group there. Yeah, so it's very impressive. So this is a cool thing. I think you can just keep all your history up there. You know what? This is place. pretty phenomenal, John. So she did Regensburg. Is that a full? Yes, it's a full. Now, admittedly, it's different to Kona. But she's, you know, tw- what, when did she do this? What year 20, was it? 2011. So what, 15 years later, 12, 13 years later? Only 40, 50 minutes lower. Very impressive. Very impressive. Mm. So athlinks.com, keep all your results in one place and we'll come back to... Her nickname? Have you got a nickname? No, we've got to come up with it first. Look at it. She's, she's somebody I made a, the X. Somebody made a Wikipedia page for her. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's got all the results on there. And she races in the Dolphin she must be tri- famous. tri Club in Amsterdam. So whenever we're in Amsterdam, Bevan, she said we can come and train. I'm at coming to Amsterdam. I'm coming in June. There you go. You can go and train with the Dolphin Triathlon Club. There you go. I'll come and say hello. Dolphin Triathlon. Oh, ah, ah. <laughs> it sounds like <laughs> it sounds more like a monkey to me. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but you might get a little interesting off-breed monkeys mating. Yeah, she's on Wikipedia. Yeah, but what's that the image at the top there? Is somebody holding them at the top of a Wikipedia page? Is oh, there? Wikipedia, bestine in Mart Extra. I think they're trying to get money. Mm. Yep. Okay. Anyway, athlinks.com, keep all your results in one place. And we'll come back with a nickname shortly. Bevan. Well, I'm just looking at her Wikipedia page. This lady has raced a lot. It's all in um, Dutch, so yeah. you can read it. I can't. Oh, Google Translate. Yeah. Okay, wait a second. You keep talking. Okay, what We're are we going doing? on to Wanger of the Week. We have not, uh, Bevan can tell me if I'm wrong here, we have not had any um, any submissions yet with the image for random. Oh, okay. Sharpen up my for, our, our graphic people. Oh, Bevan, something's happened. Random.org, somebody's hacked it. Oh, no. I can't get my random number. Oh, okay, wait a second. Just tell me how many numbers. I'll just say a number out of any because I'm not looking at the screen right okay, now. Okay, uh, one to nine. Eight. Eight. So, who had the 33rd oh. most training time oh, okay. this week? Here we go. It is. Wait for the drum roll. It's my wedding ring. Yeah. And we scroll down to the bottom. 33rd. The Kona Award for 33rd goes to Tim Doyle from New Zealand. He had yes. seven activities. Go, Tim. And he did 12 hours and 47 minutes of Gee, training. That's pretty good. And 
What's the least? Because I might be in that. No, you see, you do this every week. You start going uh, into all the other sorry. stuff. Sorry. I was going to say my name. 29 minutes. Where's, where's the least? What, what, don't you have the least? Oh, Tim Doyle must have done Ironman New Zealand. He did. He did. So he... Uh, oh, that's a, how you do it. Doesn't have a swim file in there. He biked 180Ks in... Uh, he started at 7.59. Where's it? Does it tell you how long he's riding for? Great podcast. Great podcast. <laughs> anyway, he did Ironman and he did the run and he averaged uh, 6.36 per K on the run. So, well done, Tim Doyle. You are okay, well, here we go. Going back, to, going back to, what's the lady's name from uh, Calvin Yell? Calvin Yell. <laughs> Majik. Majik. Okay, Z- at the beginning of her sporting Z- career, uh, she was a rower. She won a bronze medal at the World Championship in a part of a double four uh, at the... 2008, no, sorry, 1988 Olympic Games in Seoul. She finished in the same place, uh, part seven. This is obviously Google Trans. She got seventh, basically, in the, in the Olympics. Uh, she was a student for rowing club. So she was a rower, basically. Mm-hmm. And then national duathlon and triathlete as well. She's done called Hawaii. So she's a bit of a legend in Holland. Very good. Person to know. So, Bevan, you're going to have to work really hard to get the small, the least amount of training most weeks is, is one activity around about the 30 minute mark. So, well, I thought I might have got second because no, I joined the group. 40, 42 minutes. I'm pretty sure I joined the group. And then the next day I went for a run, I did about 45 minutes. Mm. And then I haven't recorded anything else on Strava. Okay. So, I was thinking maybe. So, if you want to be part of this, you need to make your Strava account public and then the. Oh, does the Strava Because I don't think I'm on there. Okay. That's what I need to do. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There you go. Good times. John Patrons Right we're going to come up with two new names here Philip Killicoat 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 I think painting I think spray gun Yeah I think the deck Don't touch the the deck He's he's been 9.42 for an Ironman I looked up your profile He's from London And 37.49 for a 10k This is all on the Athlinks profile 123 for half marathon Nice work Keeping his results up there, did the London Triathlon last year, two hours fifteen. The Challenge wrote in twenty sixteen, where he went nine forty two. Oh, you only finish one hundred eighty fifth when you go nine forty two. It's tough. The Kelly Coat. It's got to be something to do with the last name, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Kelly yeah. Coat. Mm-hmm. So wrap it up. Wrap it Kelly up. Coat. Slap it on. Slap it on. Yeah. No, it's not. I'm not finding it, John. Okay, we'll come back to that. What about magic? I, I reckon the the the, the Dutch axe. Well, I was thinking, you know, you got muscles from Brussels. You got Amsterdam's the main city from in Holland. So what can what can go with Amsterdam? Amsterdam, ma'am. The Amsterdam ma'am. <laughs> yeah. The Amsterdam ma'am. Here we go. It's <laughs> genius. Well, while we're thinking of other ones, we've got Matthew Jones bringing back the Biff. We've got Sam Hicks and he's Hot Rod. We've got Andrew Owen and he's the King of Hearts. We've got Aaron Morgan, the proprietor. And we've got Tom. How's that one? Tom Shalbury. And he's Commander Pio. Okay, come on. Kelly Coat. Come on, John. Kelly Coat. Um, um, we've got to come on. This is great podcasting. It is. But I, I agree with you. Something along the painting lines. Yeah. The brush is not very The tagger. The tagger? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he tags on you in your face. Yeah. Okay. There you go. There you go, tagger. There we go, the tagger. The Amsterdam ma'am and the tagger. Very good. Okay. If you want to become patron of the show, 
go to www.buy and talk to me. It's all very obvious on our new website because of the patrons. So just go there and you're going to draw to win a trip to Kona. And there's also a kind of gift based on how much patronage you give. $10, you get a high quality I am talk swim cap and it's I, I swim in mine every every day I go swimming good thick strong silicon swim cap they body. do make a difference oh yeah and when I first started swimming John I, know, I never wore a cap you gotta look after your hair and then my hair started literally looking like I was, a, I was like a rubbing brush. brush for when you yeah yeah mm. so so and then the next level up you want a nice icebreaker beanie as well as I haven't worn it yet because it hasn't been yeah. cold enough yeah. but tonight today, might be the night today might be the day <laughs> go for a run and then if you're above <laughs> that you just get lots of love and attention from us there we go okay Jumbo uh, sponsors athlinks.com social networking for endurance athletes extreme your lactic buffer and our patrons the legends John what's your goss what's my goss good solid week of training last week I think it was 17 and a half hours oh back it up cranked out the gorges with the holy hammer and the fillinator good yes. good day good yeah. wind yeah we did it reverse gorgeous, so you have this long drag at the start the whole west coast road it's like 40 kilometres long almost straight the whole way yep. and the wind just got progressively stronger and you're going up heading into it yeah it oh you should have gone why'd you go that miserable. way oh i just felt like doing something different <laughs> and the problem was though bevan i got up so we started at 5 30 it's pitch black but i got up and i i got something in my eye and i think it was an eyelash or something like that and i thought, thought i'd got it out before i left it wasn't that sore just riding along it was getting progressively <laughs> sore i had to stop about Do half no no i had to stop oh. it myself guys i've got to stop i got to try to pull some water in my eye didn't help i was in agony i was just i literally was going to turn around and said stop again i held my eye open phil was <laughs> holding his bike up pointing the light into my eye so murray could see oh because it's dark it's pitch black and then murray poured some water in still didn't work and i was literally about to turn around because it was really painful and literally just as i was about to turn around it somehow came out and i managed to carry on and it was john newson really knows how to go through time, the pain. maybe i'm not doing it right but it was almost orgasmic it was <laughs> I uh, think you're not doing it right. It was, God, it was just such a weight off my shoulders. I was really suffering. So that was good. And we uh, we, we got around the gorges. So you know what? You're on the Dutch Wikipedia page with, um, how's that, Merrick? Margie. Margie. They have a weight. Oh, really? <laughs> a weight and a weight. Yeah, interesting. Yep, she weighs 63 kg. <laughs> It's all right. No, no, no. It's more. No, no. The weight's fine. It's just weird that you yeah. have someone's weight on there. Maybe it's when she rode. She rode. Do they have weight classes? Do they? Yeah, uh, you have lightweights. Oh, okay, maybe that's what it was. Okay. Um, Other than that, Bevan, it's um, just getting into another week. Not very happy about the weather today, but such is life. We had a pretty good summer. No, well, we haven't. I've we had a good been. last part of summer. Yeah. I reckon so. I. <laughs> I always judge it by how, how much training has been interrupted and I think very little training have I had interrupted so okay. Bevan what's happening in your world <sighs> played a game of cranium with friends the other night Cranium's boys great. versus girls mm -hmm. who do you think won girls <laughs> Just, foolish <laughs> answer <laughs> boys took it out the thing that didn't help the girls we, we dominated to be honest mm -hmm. but they did the thing they got on a slow track and mm -hmm. every time they rolled, they just rolled the next colour. So one wow. of the slow tracks, they literally had to ask uh, to five questions just to get through that track. Mm -hmm. So that, that hurt them big time. What's the other good board game that oh, we play? That's Like Cranium? Cranium's good fun. Yeah. You go around a circular board. What a circular board? Yeah. Um, Never heard of it. Love a board game, John. Oh, we've got to play that. It's great. Love a board yeah, game. I'll, I'll figure it out and come back to you. Uh, clean out my spouting. Right, you've <laughs> cleaned the deck and you've cleaned out your spouting. You know what, married life, I'm trying to, because the thing with my lovely wife is 
a job should be done, John. Mm. A job should be done. And the thing with me is the job will be done. <laughs> There's a little bit of difference between Joe and I. And Joe very much thinks that your house is an investment and you need to look after your house. Mm-hmm. And my theory of a job will be done doesn't really sit within that sometimes. <laughs> and so sometimes we never argue. Like Joe and I, it's pretty rare. We're pretty lucky. We're a great relationship. But occasionally, if it's been a while since I've done anything or you know I haven't pulled my end of the bargain, mm-hmm. I get, to, I get, to, I get, I go, I, I hear about it. Yeah. And so, since married life, I'm trying to be proactive. Right. So the deck, when the next week I'm going to go take the go to the dump. Right. Because we'll, we'll do a dump run. Yeah. <laughs> no, because when you because when I was doing the when I was doing the spouting, John, I even pulled chopped back some trees. Yeah. So lots of branches and stuff, and so um, so next week and there's there's a there's, a, there's, a, there's we've got this. Door or mm-hmm. what do you call a door when it's outside? Yeah, it's a door. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a door. I think in, in, in Americans, most maybe the Dutch don't call it a door, but <laughs> yeah, we won't have a door. <laughs> and it's fallen off the, the by the spa, oh, yeah. and we don't need it. So yeah. it's been sitting there for a long time. And Joe's always going, "When he goes, so next week." And brownie points, John. Married life. Got a ring. All weekend me. with a chainsaw chopping down more trees. Oh, was it rewarding? It was tiring. I finished my 150k bike ride, had a shower, got straight onto the chain. You know you've done a day's work, haven't you? I'm still suffering a bit from it. Did you feel like a man, but? We took f- just under 500 kilograms of stuff to the, the dump on Sunday, and there's still quite a bit in my driveway. Was it all green? Yeah. Because green's free, isn't it? No, it's not free. Oh, I thought green was... Uh, it's 10, 10 bucks, uh, 100kgs. Oh, still, there's better than rubbish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Amazing what you learn on the show, the rate, did, the did, rate of refuse stations in New Zealand. Did, uh, did, how many trees did you take down? A lot. You come to my place. Well, it's a lot. We, we need to do ours because we, we lose our view. Severe. But we just pay people for those. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, great podcasting. Anyway, what's happened this week? Just a regular old week this week. It's a regular old week. Yeah. Kind of, I'm going to another wedding. Oh, nice. Yeah, Nelson. Yeah. <clears throat> Joe's in the wedding part that party. Mm. I don't mean no many people there. Mm. I know one. I know two people basically. The guy getting the married couple and then another couple. Sure, you'll be fine. So I'm pretty shy. Yeah, I really struggle yeah. in um, social situations. So I'm really stressed about it. So. Oh yeah, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Edo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha.